Episode 65, Mastering Your Destiny Through Self-Leadership and Conscious Decision-Making with Bobby Kaler. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin. And today, Deb, myself, and guest Bobby Kaler discuss the importance of self-leadership in both personal and professional life. Bobby enlightens us on how everyday decisions can have a lasting impact on our lives and how conscious choice can liberate us from self-blame. Hi, I'm Ron Macklin, the host of the Story in Your Head podcast and the founder of Imaginal Community, a new virtual space where you can discover how to change the world one relationship at a time. In the Imaginal Community, You can ask us questions, take online classes, and learn and grow with others who are transforming their relationship with themselves and with others. It's like social media for self-discovery. So to continue the conversation with us, join us over in the Imaginal community by following the link in the show notes. We're excited to see you there. Welcome to the story in your head. Our guest today, Bobby Kaler. Bobby, could you start out with like giving us a short five-story elevator speech on who you are? Who I am? Well, I am a podcaster, fellow podcaster. I create a lot of content and I am a speaker and coach in the area of self-leadership. And specifically, I do a lot of work with solopreneurs who don't want to just be the passenger of their life. They want to be the driver. You know, they want to create their life their way. Got it. Thanks. Tell me a little bit about self-leadership. Self-leadership. So self-leadership is the intentional act of leading yourself in your life in the direction that you want to go. You know, so it's, if I have a goal, how am I going to get there? You know, what do I need to learn? How do I draw upon things like resilience and mindset and how do I grow in desired direction? So it's it's what we know about leadership, but instead of thinking about how am I leading other people, it's how do I lead myself? And it's a very intentional practice. Does that help? It, it does. What like what would be like one difference between like what we would call leadership, leading others, mm-hmm. and self-leadership? What would be like one thing that stands out for our listeners? It's really the act of, of, of saying, how am I leading me? So I'm not trying to influence others. I'm influencing my own behavior. And sometimes we can be the hardest person to lead. You know, and and actually it's funny because I actually had a book back in 2010, it came out and it was Travels of the Heart, Developing Your Inner Leader, because my my whole thought is that we can't lead others unless we can lead ourselves first. You know, because have you guys ever had that leader that you maybe worked with and their message, message just wasn't maybe congruent? Because you could see like they're asking me to do things but they're not living that message. They're not living it. And I think, I think that's where the self-leadership can come into play as well. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, we see. I, I would say in my experience in my career, I've seen a lot of people kind of get thrust into leadership, yep. get promoted into a position that they may not have been ready for. And, and thinking right. about, we don't really teach that in school about how to lead yourself. No. We don't, you know, and it's funny that you say that because I used to do a lot of work with sales managers. So I, I, 
I'd work with sales managers and I would help them become coaches and leaders for their team. And I mean, these are frontline managers. They've got sometimes they had anywhere between, let's say, five team members to up to 30. And I did that for 14 years, actually a little more than 14 years. And so I think I trained probably easily in the thousands of managers. And it's funny how many of them said, this is the first time I've had any kind of development like this, you know, because companies invest in, in, in C-suite and they invest in salespeople and they, but the managers, you know, the day-to-day people, a lot of times they, they kind of get overlooked and it, it can, it can be really hard to, to learn these things because we're not taught these things in school, you know? Well, no, I, I look back at my school and what I was taught was how to compete. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, like it was all about competition, whether it was for mm-hmm. grades, uh, to get in the right class, to get the right scholarship, to be a, a, in a part in a play. Uh, everything I was doing, I was, I was competing, mm-hmm. which was basically how to get yourself to do something but not leading others. Yeah. And also, I think sometimes a school, and I hate to say this, but there is a certain compliance. I mean, like, we, we have to, like, if, if you've got 30 people in the classroom, you, my, my little sister is a teacher. She's a kindergarten teacher. And just keeping the, the day going is hard enough. And I'll never forget, this was, I used to do leadership work for high school kids. We, we did these weekend retreats, and they were amazing. And there's this one guy, his name was Trey, and he was so enthusiastic, like, just so enthusiastic, a natural leader. And yet some of the other people in the room, some of the adults are like, well, we need to talk to him because he's too enthusiastic. He's too exuberant. And it's like, why? He, he actually has great signs of leadership. It's just he doesn't know how to direct them yet. Because enthusiasm from a, from a leader, that's incredible. You, you, you want that. So it's how do we direct that sometimes, I think. And I think sometimes that can be hard. Yeah, that's interesting. I even hear like, how do we tamp down <laughs> some things? That's right. Mm-hmm. And the culture can can somewhat take over. And we talk a lot on this on this podcast about our fears. Oh yeah, right. And how how we we tamp down those fears, or we think we can, right? We we put up our that's shields right. really big, so so people don't think we're afraid, <laughs> but we are completely afraid. <laughs> And how do you help people going through that? How do you help people when their shields are up and they cannot be authentic with others? Or like you said, living the same ethic or stand that you want your the people you're leading to live. Yeah. So specifically around the fear, what I always want people to know is that if you have that voice in your head saying that you can't do something or who are you to try what if you fail? Uh, you might look silly. Just know everybody has it. I mean, that's number one. And I think that brings a lot of relief because I never forget. I don't know if you guys like country music or not. I love country music. Love Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson was one of my favorites, right? I actually saw him live once. It was amazing. And I, I saw an interview with him though. And they were asking him, do you still get nervous when you go on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry? And he said, of course I do. And he said, if you don't get nervous, when you go on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry, you don't deserve to be on the stage of the Grand Ole Opry. And I love that because I think it goes to, it. you know, not, I, th- I think we make the mistake of thinking, well, some people don't have the fear. So something's wrong with me if I have the fear. No, if you have the fear, it means you're human. That's all it means. So it, it, it comes down to 
one of the things I do is it's, it's something called positive intelligence, PQ for short. And there's a great book. People can learn a lot about it. It's just called positive intelligence. It's written by his name is Sherzad Shamin. He is a professor or a lecturer at Stanford. And so this is a discipline. It's a combination of neuroscience, positive psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, and performance psychology. And it's all about what goes on in our head. And so to recognize everybody has it, and then to get a little bit more detailed and say, what's the flavor of that voice that I have? Because what neuroscientists have found is there are actually 10 different, they call them inner saboteurs that, that people can have. So you, everyone has a judge, right? The judging of ourselves, the judging of others, the judging of circumstances. That's the universal. But then there are nine accomplice saboteurs. So my three big accomplice saboteurs are the pleaser, right? I like pleasing other people. I have to be careful of that because it can get me into trouble. Like I can't say no to anything, right? <laughs> because then what will people think? Hypervigilance is another one of my inner saboteurs, accomplice saboteurs. So that's vigilance taken way too far. And then the other one I have is hyperachiever. And the lie of the, so each one of these saboteurs tell us different lies. So the hyperachiever, for example, that will tell me things like, you can't be happy until you do X, until you achieve X. You know, so that makes happiness very elusive. Another thing that it can do is to tell me, you know, you can't take a rest until X. So I just have to be aware of, of, of what's going on and the lies that they tell me. And that that's a big way of releasing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. It, it, it triggers me also. I'm, and I'm curious, I, I listened to one of your recent podcasts along with well-being, like talking about well-being mm, and the link to choice. Yeah. Yes. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So choice is one of my favorite things. And it's it always, it wasn't always. <laughs> Let me just say that. When I first understood the power of choice, I was 23. And I was, my parents did not believe in college. I mean, I actually had to fight with my mom to stay in high school because she wanted me, she's like, it's, there's no use for that. But I did. I stayed in high school. But I knew that if I was going to go to college, I was going to have to pay for it myself. And back in, back when I, at that time, it was harder to get financial aid. So I was 23 and I was working two jobs, barely keeping my head above water. And it was on New Year's Eve. I worked my two jobs. I went home to my lonely little apartment and I'm sitting on the couch and I still haven't found a way to go to college yet. And I'm thinking to myself, how did my life end up this way? And the answer that came back to me was your life is a reflection of the choices that you've made so far. And to be completely honest, uh, that wasn't the answer I was hoping for. <laughs> you know? I wanted, I think I really wanted someone else to blame, you know, but, but there it was. And so I sat with that for a minute. I thought, wait a minute, that's incredible. That's incredibly helpful because if that's true, then if I learn how to make better choices, I can get a better result. And from that day forward, I really started to pay attention to what are the choices that I'm making and how can I make better ones? And so that's where that really comes from is, and that's why I think choice is so important. Yeah, no, thanks, Bobby. It's great. And thank you for sharing the story. So what is choice? I mean, like give examples of like, what is choice or what is your distinction or definition for yeah. choice or, or choosing? I think that on a daily basis, 
we have micro micro choices all day, every day. Like I think in that example that Deb was re- referencing, there was an example where I was in the middle of you know drafting that episode, and I needed to find a document. And in the process of finding the document, it occurred to me that the people who were helping us with our website redesign, the company that we that we've hired, they were behind on a deadline. I'm like, haven't heard anything from them. And in that moment, I face a choice. What do I do? I can get upset, which was my initial tendency. I can get upset. I'm like, what's wrong with those people? And go down that whole rat hole <laughs> and get and allow myself to get distracted from creating content. And that was really tempting. And then what would happen, right? Because if I allow myself to get distracted from creating content, then I can feel bad about myself because I got distracted. And I can feel worse about that company because they distracted me, right? And then, and then that has a snowball effect. You know, I'm going to feel so bad that then I'm not going to do my weights at the end of the day and blah, 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 blah. Or in that moment when I recognize I'm distracted, I have a choice. I can get upset and allow it to distract me. Or I can say, you know what? I'm going to make a note to follow up with them when I'm done creating my content. Which do I choose? Because it sets me on two different paths. So I think we have a lot of micro decisions during the course of the day where we choose, how am I going to show up? How is this going to affect me? Because I know for me, and I think a lot of people are this way, things happen and we think, well, I had no, no choice but to act the way I did. And I think that's not, nece- that's not true. We always have a choice. It's, it's not always easy. You know what I mean? Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. So you, you said two words in there and it's it bouncing around up here right now. And one is decide, I can make a decision and choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they occurred to me as different. Like, you know, mm-hmm. what shows up for you? I'll, I'll go to Deb first. Like Deb, what shows up for you and the difference between choosing and deciding? For me, it's, it, it sounds like an open or closed option, right? To choose hmm. feels empowering that I have the choice. And it's an open, dis- I don't want to say this. It's an open, it's, a, it's an open decision. It's, it's, it's something that opens up new opportunities, that open up new avenues, new ways to think, like a choice. That, that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Yep. But to okay. decide feels final. Like, okay, I've decided this. I'm the, like, now I'm stuck because I decided this. Mm. And that's how, that's just how it, it feels to me. Uh, yeah. Which is, what, 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 Bobby, for you, like how does decide or ch- and choose show up differently? I think that choices are very empowering. So I agree with Deb on that. I, and I think sometimes in that moment, and, and maybe I use decide wrong, but it's like, how am, I, how am I choosing to act in this moment? You know, that's, I think, what I, what, what I was getting at. How yeah. do I choose to act in this moment? Thank you. Mm-hmm. been working this one a, for a while now. The the best way for me to hold it is when I decide something, 
I'm giving some other reason or cause outside of me. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. When I choose something, it's all me. Mm. Like you could say, I I like to go for a bike ride. Why? Because I get exercise. Well, that's not why I go on a bike ride. That's getting exercise, right? So I'm not deciding to go on a bike ride. And I'm looking at where are those things where I'm consciously blaming something else for why Mm. I'm doing that instead of just being, why are you doing that? Because I want to do that. Yeah. And when I do that, this is what shows up for me. I'm all in. Hmm. I'm choosing it because I'm choosing it. And that's I'm like, it's Ron who's doing it. Yeah. And, and there's nothing else out there. I can't, I can't go back later and go, well, I can blame Deb or Bobby because <laughs> this didn't, didn't work out. Me. Right. Right. No, it, this is like, like, it was like, and then I'm responsible. I'm owning it. It's all mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Choice is all yours. Choice is all mine. Mm-hmm. When I choose something, it's all mine. Yeah. And there's nothing else out there that's betraying me except for to say, I did it. And if, and if it goes great, yay. If it goes bad, I can learn. That's right. But, but me being in the game from a standpoint of I'm all in mm-hmm. changes my space. Yeah. Changes how I see, how I act, what I say, how I do. You know what that rem- reminds me of, Ron, is, and I think it was Stephen Covey in probably Seven Habits. Maybe it was in his book, The Eighth Habit where he talked about choice is one of the most empowering things we have. And it's also the ultimate responsibility because when we, when we own our choice, there is no one else to blame. Right. And I think that's what can be so scary about choice. It can be scary and it can also be fun, playful, like, like, because you go like, this is me, I'm doing it. Why are you doing it? Cause I'm choosing to do it. Right. And they go like, (laughs) but but, but why are you doing it? It's me. And they go, Wow, I wish I had that power just to be you, be yourself. Yeah. But, but it's about authentically creating who we are and what we're doing in life. And that's right. I think choosing is a very powerful word. Oh, my goodness. And everyone has that power to be themselves. That was the trap I was in for years and years and years. And that's why I think choice is so important to me now. Uh, I, well, one, I can be trapped in that, right? Mm-hmm. In, inside of the not knowing that I can choose. I can see others who are trapped in that and they it, like, that's one of those things that's pretty hard to see that there's, that you're doing it to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're saying I'm here because the other person did whatever they did. And now you're, you feel stuck versus you can choose to be you, mm-hmm. which means you could choose to have fun while you're doing that. That's right. And the, the, the notion of being stuck, that's why I always think there's always a way forward. I may not know what that way is, but I believe that there's always a way forward. And the very act of believing that there's a way forward, the way our brains work, is that then my brain is going to look for that way forward. I'm going to see more options because I believe that there are possibilities and there are options. You know what I mean? When you're dancing with somebody, I don't mean like physically dancing, but in the conversation, linguistically dancing with somebody, and they occur to you as stuck. Mm. What do you do? So I've actually coached a lot of people in this situation and in where I used to. And I used to coach a lot of sales managers and salespeople. And you, you can very often feel that. And even in the coaching I do now, where you're like, oh, they're not seeing options. So what I like to do is help people see, number one, I like to play a game called the hypothetical. 
So when, when I'm talking to someone and they're like, well, there's just, you know, there's no options or I'm stuck or blah, blah, blah. I was coaching someone and she was like, well, I couldn't possibly do something for myself because that would be selfish. And that that's what she had locked onto. And I think we can all identify with that, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, you know what? That might be true. But let's just play hypothetical for a minute. What are all the ways that might not be true? Like, for example, if I do something for myself, maybe that will make me feel better about myself and I'll show up better for other people. So maybe actually it's not selfish to do something for myself. You know, so to play the hypothetical is one, but to get people to see more possible options. And I like to think about them as possibilities. Doesn't mean you're committed to any of them. One of my mom's greatest skills in her life, I don't know what it was about this woman, but if she was ever stuck or if you said, oh, I don't know how to go forward, she'd be like, okay, let's brainstorm for a minute. She could come up now, not just with option B or C, but she could get to option like J. <laughs> <laughs> It was amazing. And some of those you're like, there's no way any of those, you know, some of those are going to happen. But you know what? There are at least two or three in there. But it's like, wow, that's worth considering. So really thinking about what are options? What are possibilities? I'm not deciding or choosing any of them. I'm just coming up with options and possibilities. And that a lot of times, at least it's enough to kind of, I always like, I always like this metaphor. I grew up on a creek. Have you ever been on, on a creek like above a dam? in the spring, during the spring thaw, I, I lived in Illinois, and there'd be all these like logs that, that would get stuck above the dam and they'd swirl and swirl and swirl. And I think that's sometimes what happens to us. And then all of a sudden, this one log would break free and all they'd all go over the dam. That's what we're trying to do is get that first log to go over the dam because then we kind of open things up. And then it comes down to, all right, now, now we found different possibilities. How are we going to take some sort of action? Because that goes back to the story in our head that's telling us stay exactly where you are because that's the safest place to be. So then we have to take action. That's great, Bobby. What what I what you triggered for me to to I've always had this story that well I don't want to speak up and get into into it until I have the answer. Mm. Like mm. I, I need to, I need to solve it before I get into it, right? A- and as I'm sitting there, and I don't know, it was 10, 15 years ago, but I was sitting in a meeting going like. I am kind of a jerk because I'm sitting here letting everybody else feed me their ideas that I build off of. And then I look really brilliant because I come up with this great idea (laughs) instead of me putting my ideas into the room and letting other people be able to build off of them. And so we get a better result. Mm -hmm. I always felt like if I didn't have the right answer, I probably shouldn't say anything. I think there are a lot of people that way. And yet the way we get the brilliant innovation. Mm-hmm. Is all the somewhat brilliant innovations get put out and they get turned, we as a group, turned into something powerful. That's right. That's right. Well, and I think so much about, Bobby, again, the, the going back to the choice of the story you're going to pick in your head, right? Is, That's is, right. It's the same situation. But but you you now if you can see it if you can notice it that you do have a choice to change that story, which story are you going to choose? That's right, that's right. Because we all have the like like for me, I have we all have different stories. But <laughs> I mentioned how I create a lot of content that can be discouraging sometimes, right? Because you put content out there, you don't know if anybody's going to see it. Are they going to react? Does it help anybody? And so it's very easy to, 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 to fall in that trap of, well, I didn't get a certain amount of likes, so that means nobody likes it, which is all fear-based. 
right? Versus if you think it's more of a love base, like, hey, I'm putting value out there. I don't know how it's going to affect somebody, but I'm going to put that out there and it's going to help someone. And maybe, maybe that's someone, some days, maybe that's me that it's helping by simply creating it. You know, so it's a choice. Do, do I, do I listen to the one that tells me that I should quit or that it's not worth it or that? Or am I going to say, no, there's a different way to see this. And it's more of a love based choice. Yeah, that's great. Well, Bobby, thanks for being on the, on the podcast today. We're starting a new practice to where we get a little more lighter at the end of the podcast because nice. sometimes we can dive in and get, you know, down in the weeds at times. So the question, I'm going to ask it for Deb too. Oh boy. Yeah. Ready? I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, here, here we go. Right? <laughs> okay. What's your favorite book from the standpoint of you've read it more than three times? Oh, To Kill a Mockingbird. I love that book. What? So, so what is it about To Kill a Mockingbird that you just go like, if you saw it, you'd go, oh, I'll read that again. Oh, my goodness. First of all, the way that she captures Scout, the little girl. That's, that's- I was scout as a little girl. Let me just, so that might be part of it. <laughs> that might be part of it. But also Atticus Finch and that book, his, the way that he leads himself and the way that he leads his family, it's just such a marvelous, marvelous tale. And it just takes me right back, you know, and, and, and that's, there's a feeling that's captured in that book that I just absolutely love. And I, and I, I associate with getting into trouble a lot. Like, <laughs> I was a little spunky. I was a little too spunky for my own good. As Thank you. Deb. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is obscure, but I love this book. It's called The Island of Sea Women by Lisa C. And it is about an island off of Korea that is a matriarchal society. And the stories are very well developed, but it's about the the divers, the free divers who, so the women free divers who dive for pearls, for, not for pearls, for, for seafood. I mean, they bring up octopus uh, and everything. They're, they're feeding. Wow. They sell it to the marketplace and the husbands take care of the babies. You know, they come up every now and again to breastfeed and then the husbands take care of the babies. And it's just, it's, it's based off of truth of this island and it's just fast it's just a fascinating book and i love how their friendships are developed so so that's my that sounds obscure (laughs) but she's great lisa c is fantastic it's great wow how about you ron mine is there's many of them that fall in this category but the the wisdom of insecurity by alan watts was man it just I, i don't know how to say this it just frees me up to dance like it's the, I, I don't feel alone after reading it. I feel connected. I feel that it's okay to have fun with all the things we screw up. And it just, just opened up a new space for me. And yeah, I have no idea how many times I've been through that book. In fact, there's a good chance that if I'm going to get on a road to go somewhere, I'm going to listen to the wisdom of insecurity again. Wow. Right? And I always get to the space in the middle that there's a place where I'm uh, happy and crying all at the same time. Man, I love the way you put that. It, it, it's, it's freeing that you can have fun, right? I mean, this is a journey. We all go through the journey. It's not, it's not about light stuff. It's about deep stuff. Yeah. And it's freeing. Mm. Why? That's why I have that. So, uh, that. Bob, Bobby, thank you for being on our podcast today. Is there anything Absolutely. else you'd like to share as we wrap it up? 
I, I think it, it's, it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, that there's always a way forward. And also in that moment on, when I was 23, you know, when I had that, that epiphany, I think that the most important thing about that is it was so hopeful that it allowed me to take action. Because then it's like, hey, if I own my choices, I can take action. And I've always thought that hope is the antidote for despair. So, and you know what? Even if you make a mistake, who cares? Have fun making the mistake and learn and go on. <laughs> I, I, I hold we, we underestimate our ability to recover. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. That's a great, that's great right there. We underestimate our ability to recover. I might be using that in a podcast episode soon. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.